Hello and welcome back to APIs You Won't Hate. My name is Mike Bifolco, your APIs You Won't Hate co-hosts talking about APIs You Won't Hate with some of our friends from around the world for building great APIs and tools for it. I'm joined today by my new friend, Anton from Stig. Uh, Anton, how are you this morning? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. It's uh, super nice to get a chance to talk to you. I definitely want to dig into kind of what you're working on at Stig. And first, I'd like to know a little bit about you. Okay, so can you tell me a bit about yourself, maybe some of your background and the things you did before coming to Stig? Yeah, sure, of course. I'm Anton, CEO co-founder of Stig. And a little bit of background from my end is that I'm in software engineering for, I think, more than a decade now. Actually, like that's the, that's the official number, but I think I started programming like from a younger age. I think my first programming book was Visual Basic. I think I got it in the fourth grade. That's, that's how <laughs> I started too. Yeah, good times, good times. So since then I was hooked and I, you know, really enjoyed programming and spending a lot of time. And yeah, so I've been serving also in the IDF, being in teleprocessing corps. So that's how it's like my official career started, I think. You can say that. And since then, I've been rolling into a few fintech companies, local companies here in Israel as a software engineer. For a few years, I even thought that like my specific domain expertise was work building trading platforms, like for stockbrokers and, and everything around, you know, the tooling that requires to manage these trading platforms for also institutional investors and also for retail, retail investors. So I kind of categorize myself as an expert in trading platforms. And then like there was a change like from my end when I decided I want to start having like being my own, my own boss. And then I started open the software company and then hired a bunch of people and we made like kind of a lot of different projects and product built a lot of products for like a variety of customers. We both small startups, both big enterprises. And then I was like exposed to many different industries and, you know, many different kinds of types of products. And afterwards, I had the opportunity to join New Relic as a senior software engineer. And this is actually where I met my co-founder, Or, and together we co-founded SIG. So yeah, it was a, a very interesting experience for me, also working like in a big enterprise, working on a new product that New Relic has acquired, started a company here in Israel. And then we held them together to build this new type of product, which called MLOps. This is like a product line that involves um, everything that is related to machine learning, monitoring and observability around those areas. So it was very interesting to, yeah. So that's, that's, that's a brief history. Yeah, sure. Really, really fascinating. So cool to hear that this isn't necessarily the first company you've started, although maybe the first product company you're building. And I, I guess all of that history of, of, you know, working with startups and doing consulting and then working at New Relic kind of brings you to where you are today. So obviously that's building Stig. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Stig? What's the, what's your value proposition? Who's, who's your user? What does that look like? Yeah, sure. So basically, I'm just going to start with what Stig is and how we see it and what you're trying to do. So Stig is basically an, an infra infrastructure product. Okay. That's, we, that means that we're developing APIs and tools that allow developers to manage their and roll out new pricing packaging, let's call constructions. So basically what we do is we sit as a product, we sit somewhere in the middle between like a bunch of different areas. It includes also the product itself, also different types of billing systems. Also different types of CRMs and we like basically tie all those together. But if I need to say like, what's, you know, what, what do you do the best? Because that sounds like a little bit of vague. So basically Stig is a 
at its core, at, at its core is an entitlement management system, which I think this is the foundation for any flexible or agile pricing, packaging, uh, tooling, or software. This is our centerpiece. And from there, we evolved different areas such as usage-based pricing and pricing experimentation, A-B testing. And all on top of that is basically the, what allows us to do that is basically this entitlement piece. For, and let's say from the, the companies that we work with or basically the ones who, or they want to try like the small segments or they want to try out new price, like they want to roll the first pricing, okay, for a software product. So the, they don't know where to start. So they usually reach out to us and try to figure out like what's the best, best way to do that. What's, what's the best pricing strategy for their specific product or industry. And then we try to help them out, give them some little advice or connect them to other pricing experts that might have a little bit of information or can help them do something more intelligent rather than try to guess that what's the best pricing for them. And the sec second type, I think of, of customers that work with us are the ones who already has some, like a, already has some pricing strategy in place. And then after like few years of running with that, they figure out they want to change that because, you know, there's a, usually there's a saying that if you don't pay to change your pricing strategy over time, you're basically leaving money on the floor. That's, and that's natural because usually this companies, when they start, you know, with the initial pricing is something that they decided on very on, very early on. And then they, uh, they just want to build a user base. They just want to get traction. But after a year or two, and they start to evolve and they start to grow and they want to increase revenue. I think that's the first thing they thinking of, okay, let's change our pricing because that pricing is obsolete. It's legacy. We need to update it accordingly. We built so much for those two or three, four years. And it's, it's insane if we price it the same, you know, the same, in the same way we did when we just started. So this is, I think that's, that's the tipping point where they start looking for that, how we do that, how we plan that, how, which tools there are out there that can help us to do this type of change. So I guess that's, that's also the point where we, where we can help them and enable, enable them to do these changes without, you know, rebuilding their own infrastructure all over and also prevent them from doing that again in the future. Sure. Yeah. It feels like there's a whole lot that goes into even just the, the couple of um, types you've described. I should definitely preface this entire discussion by giving the caveat and the, I don't know, asterisk that in a past life I worked for Stripe. I no longer work for Stripe. I don't have ties to Stripe anymore, but probably worth saying just for the sake of, of clarity here, I've spent a lot of my time working with and thinking about companies and, and customers and products and how pricing strategies work. So this is something that's definitely very interesting to me. Man, I have a lot of questions from here. So uh, <laughs> sure. let's talk a little bit about companies trying to figure out their initial pricing strategy. Uh, I, I feel like and a part of that is just for many companies who I'd imagine, well, actually, let's even start a step further back. So does Stig primarily work with subscription-based pricing or do you do like one-off purchases and things like that as well? So I think that like it's Stig because we are, we are the source of truth of how your pricing packaging looks like. Like this is where we position ourselves. We basically support different types of pricing strategies, like subscription is one of them. We also support usage-based pricing. And we also have this concept of you know, enterprise pricing, which just means that there are some enterprise customers that have some custom pricing tailored for them. And we also, so this is also something that we support. But we, like, from a technical standpoint, we don't see ourselves as a billing system. Basically, we sit like between your product and the billing system. It means that the configuration itself 
of how your pricing should look like and how you want to how you want to like charge your customers is sure. something that you define and stick. But the actual the actual billing, like the actual invoicing, it's, it happens in the billing system. Yeah. So, sure. Um, so we we kind of we we are a little bit limited to what your billing system support, but our our vision is to support and multiple different billing systems. So basically, once you use Stick, you're no longer vendor locked into a single billing system. Like if you use Stripe and you decided to switch over to God knows what, and we support this kind of integration, you can do that by having by by doing a, a few clicks like in our in our no code user interface, and then you migrate all your customers to a different billing system. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I guess for further clarification, more of the distinction I'm, I'm looking for is you're, you're generally working with SaaS companies and enterprise flavored companies and not so much like e-commerce stores that sell, I don't know, mechanical keyboards and things like that. Right. So basically our focus is on SaaS companies. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like the, the pain that we felt is that SaaS companies, like the existing tools are not sufficient enough for SaaS companies. I think that because Every SaaS company is considered itself as a snowflake usually. And they have like, I have my own vision of how I want to price my product, but still I want to check how the competitors do that and then align to that. But, you know, they always want to like invent something special of their own. So basically I think that's because our focus is on the SaaS companies, we try, we try to bring the best, like the best capabilities that suits their needs. I think right. we go like for the best practices that are in the SaaS industry and trying to like, consolidate all those different types of, of you know, companies that are trying to figure out what they need to do into like, what are the best practices and how you should price your product based on certain criteria and factors. So, so we like our pure focus is basically on SaaS companies in that area. Sure, okay, yeah. I think if you haven't built a, if you haven't plugged payments, pricing, subscriptions into a product before, I think it can be easy to think that like it's simple. Oh, you you just charge $39 a month or whatever, a static price per month. And you know, that's how you work with your users. But then if you think about it a little longer, I think probably everyone has seen some pricing page on the internet that has a three, you know, a table with three prices on it with a list of features below it. And even that seems simple at first blush, but the process of building that out and even designing that interface in a way that people understand what's there and that it's clear and that you set up pricing correctly, there's a lot that goes into that. And then it gets even like more wildly complex when you talk about things where enterprises might have a graduated pricing that gets cheaper per seat after certain tiers, or they might have usage base that's like for all of these AI products where you're charging per API call based on tokens, right? Like the, the API mm -hmm. calls individually can be more expensive and things like that. And it gets wildly complicated from there. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that is such an intense problem space. And that, like you said, all of these companies are in their own way, you know, they consider themselves unicorns because they're trying to figure out the best way to, to provide value to people to make money. Um, it strikes me that there's a lot to explain there from a, hey, like Sting can help you do this perspective. And then there's sort of the implementation step of it sounds like you plug into lots of payment services. So maybe something like Stripe and Adyen and PayPal and all these places that can take payments. Uh, and from from jumping into your web page and looking at, you know, Stig's homepage, there's some pretty intense diagrams of plugging in and out to SDKs and widgets and all kinds of things there. How, how do you explain um, 
the placement of Stig's sort of integration service to to companies looking to build? Like, where, what do you start with? How do you say, you know, what's your hello world for Stig look like? Cool. That's a that's a great question. Like, I think like the first thing that uh, addressed the, the thing that you started with is like that there are a lot of variety of you know different pricing strategies, and you need to figure out how you build and like a platform to support all those different use cases, but. If you try to break it down, like into what are the building blocks, and that that you that com- a software company can use in order to build their pricing, all those types of different prices model, pricing models, I think that the building blocks are quite the same, like across all those companies. As you said, there's a, like this token-based pricing, there is this subscription-based with a flat fee, and there's those types of plans with different limits, maybe, or there's a, like a one, one value metric or two value metrics. But at the baseline, if you take all that and try to find a common denominator between those two, you can actually build some like an intelligent pro platform that is still flexible enough and build using those building and using those building blocks, you can model all those different pricing models and support it end to end. So regarding your question of like how this hello world application looks like. So basically Stigus, as I said before, is it basically allows you to, you know, roll out pricing changes faster. If, if it was a very complex and complicated product with many integration points and, and you have to invest a lot of time in order to get value, it still wouldn't work. It wouldn't like be our core value that we provide for our customers. So basically, from day zero, our focus was how you reduce the integration time, how you make things more simple. What is the immediate value that can get the developer can get by using Stig? Like what we what, what we trying to what pain do we you know we soothe? So basically, I think that the whole low world example would be like the first thing that a developer usually starts work on when he gets this pricing task. Like usually, there's a ticket in your Trello or Jira, and that's we need to roll out our pricing. Let's start with a pricing page. So basically. <laughs> You know, let's not wire it up behind the scenes. Let's just put our pricing out there and see how the how our customers will react to that. And and this is basically our like things that we gave give out out of the box are this pricing plan widgets that you can an embeddable widgets that you can just simply drag and drop into your website into your application. And based on the pricing configuration and stick, you get this magically pricing plans, everything dynamic according to your to the configuration that you set according to your pricing strategy and stick. And it's already functional. You already got the value. You didn't have to build it. You didn't have to break your head how I model this, you know, different plans, how I style them, configure them, everything. There's no code in Stig that allows you even to style and theme those type of widgets. So that's the the hello world that that I think that's the that's the most simple thing that you get from Stig, like the most straightforward one. And once you're ready and you want to, you know, switch gears and get, take it to the next level and you want to have paywalls inside your application, you want to have a customer portal within your application so customers can upgrade and downgrade their plans and self so matter, this is where it gets interesting. We have widgets also for those pieces, but we also need to make it effective. We need to do this kind of backend integration with SIG where you need to, first of all, start reporting usage to SIG whenever a customer adds a seat, removes the seat. If you want to have that enforced by Stig, that is something that is also required to do. And then later on, you can advance and, you know, start feature gating, start limiting those based on the usage and start building on certain metrics if you choose to. And everything will be no code since that point. So basically, once you integrate 
with Stig once, you won't have to do this integrations all over again whenever you choose to or decide to change your pricing model. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Again, I feel like that's one of those things that sounds like you, saying it sounds very simple. Having lived through building a few different pricing strategies for a few different products, it can take quite a bit of work. And actually, uh, a good concrete example of that for APIs you won't hate, Phil, my, my co-host and co-founder here, has authored a few books that we sell on the site. And right now, if you went to buy books on the site, we sell them through Amazon and through LeanPub and through a couple of different places. Shopify is, is one of our providers. And we have mm -hmm. a few times thought about trying to make it so that it's easier for us to manage all of those things centrally and playing around with... Um, selling digital products for a set price or doing something like our own Patreon-ish thing for APIs mm -hmm. you won't hate. And the thought of trying that out and having it not work and having to rip it out or having to change it or something like that is essentially as the the you know two to three person developer team for the site is an intense amount of work. And essentially one of those things that just becomes a non-starter from the beginning. And if you think about, you know, maybe, I don't know, say Anton, you and I were building a dating app, right? And we wanted to charge mm -hmm. 10 bucks a month. And we decided next month that we needed to split it out to three plans. That's 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month and 50 bucks a month. It's so much work. You have to plumb that in through every part of your application. There's a lot of thought to, into gating off features and functionalities. And all of that requires code changes, or at least as it sounds like all of that did require code changes on some level. Uh, so it's it's an, a very interesting, I, I guess, value proposition for people building. Yeah, I think also like the, the, like the, the example they gave, like it starts very simple, but once you, you know, trying to to run changes on that pricing or add, like, as you said, adding plans, it started like becoming a very not straightforward engineering problem because usually when people see like, you know, you, you, you want to start pricing, you think of, okay, I'll, I'll just go to Stripe, I'll drop in their, their SDK, their APIs, I'm going to use their embedded checkout hosted page and then everything is simple and I'm done. But it's not that accurately true, but because while Stripe does the handles the payments and handles the checkout experience, there's a, a lot of uncovered area there, which is around provisioning, like provisioning and what happens after the checkout. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, so our customer has purchased this pro plan for $10 a month. And right now we need to provision him access to the features that he's paying for. And this is where things started to get complicated. He started looking for, okay, how I need to listen to this webhooks from Stripe. I need to understand the subscription life cycle. The subscription started, renewed, canceled, all this type of events. You need to handle that on your backend. And how do you reflect that in the app itself? You know, like the subscription ended, we downgrade the user to the free plan. We block, evoke all access to the, to the, all the features in the application. This type of decisions are very are very fluid. They change over time. Like it's a, it's a business decision. Business decisions change. And it's when developers and engineers start building this type of solutions, they, they have this like tunnel vision on what you need right now. Like the, the management told me, this is our pricing. And they know like in their standpoint, point of view, it's like, this is never going to change. I'm just going to do it. I just want to get over with it. And I want to continue on my life and build in more interesting features and you know, wiring up all this building side into my application. And this is actually the first, the first event when you start gathering and aggregating this technical depth regarding those, you know, pricing and packaging stuff inside your application. And then this depth hinders you from, or at least costs you a lot once you try to, you know, to untangle it later on. So this is something that engineers don't see at the first 
like you know when they first approach this problem so that's that's why we at stick we're trying to educate and to trying to you know talk about this like how our approach the entitlement approach simplifies things and that's in those areas that once you integrate and start con the concept of entitlement similar to feature flags like there's you, you start working in it it's very natural to you once you see the value of using that yeah yeah i think it's an interesting problem space too because all of our listeners are engineers. Most of our listeners are engineers. I guess I shouldn't make such a broad assumption, but you know, we, we have a lot of software developers that listen to the show and every single one of them, I'm sure can identify with the feeling of having to go and rebuild something that they and thought they were done with forever. Um, but yeah. I think the other interesting side of this too, is that product creators, the, the sort of product side of the business doesn't often have a full understanding of the amount of work engineers need to do to rework something fundamentally like that. And at the same time, yeah. engineers often don't understand that product people need to be able to make sweeping iterative changes to keep the product alive as well. So it's an interesting challenge for sure. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, understanding that the, what the product does and what it is and who you're talking to. Talk a little bit about how it's built, right? So you're, you're CTO at Stig. How is the platform built? What tools do you use? What languages and libraries do you support? Yeah, sure. So so basically our current offering is in, like Stig is an API product like from the get-go. So basically we have GraphQL-based API. And we also have four SDKs, I think, for now. We support Node.js, Ruby, Python, Go, and working more in SDKs in the near future. But I think that besides the APIs themselves, the API itself, I think that the, more, the, main, the main value is actually using in those SDKs because our SDKs are not just the wrapper around the API. Our SDKs are built specifically to handle the entitlements problem, which 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 directs me to this conversation, what is an entitlements problem? And generally speaking of what entitlements are. So basically, if you think of entitlements, it's something related to permissions in some way. Okay, so basically permissions are more like definitions of what a user can do according to its role or its certain set of attributes. And entitlements, on the other hand, are set of permissions that a customer is assigned to that can decide which, which features in the application the customer subscribe to, like part of this license model, if you want to compare that and use those terms, which is a little bit outdated terms, but I think it's like a trend that's kind of coming back again. But sure. so, yeah, so th these are type of permissions that need to be evaluated quickly and very often because every time the user interacts with your application, they're probably, you need to do this type of check if the user is subscribed according to its plan to use this feature. So the evaluation itself, it has to be like super fast, low latency. Like, and every, every bump in during this decision, in, like in the process of making this decision can affect the, the overall like experience, user experience and latency of your API or product or whatever you're building. So like our focus is basically allowing and building the best SDKs we can that evaluates with almost zero latency, those entitlement checks, and you can safely use them within your product without even breaking or thinking of how you're going to, you know, what's the best way of implementing that just would be a drop in and that's it, the problem is solved. So there's a lot of logic being going on in there, which like there's several factors like, you know, caching and prefetching data or real time updates of these entitlements whenever they change. This type of, you know, problems that is something that our SDK solved. And regarding our API, so basically there's a as I mentioned, our main API is a GraphQL-based API, which serves, a, we, we call it a management API, basically, because it's usually the API that our 
like user interface is using our application. And we have another set of APIs, which we call them the Edge APIs. And those APIs are basically built on, we're using as a lot of AWS services as we can. So the Edge API leverages the CloudFront Lambda Edge type of distribution, which means our code is executed at the closest region to the user that invokes that API. And we also using the DynamoDB's global tables feature, which means that all data is replicated across multiple regions so that those Lambda functions that run on the edge can access their data closest to them, basically from the same region that they're running on. And that's how we, the minimum latency we can globally regarding to all this mission critical data, which involves the usage, the entitlements. And we also gained uptime guarantee of AWS for the services. So we, so our customers can feel much more safer depending you know, on, the, on the giants like AWS to handle this type of failures that they're if there were any failures in that. Sure, yeah, you're week. using a lot of hardened infrastructure and I think a lot of, <laughs> lot of devs will be uh, interested in hearing about Edge APIs as well. That's something that seems to be a, a hot ticket lately too. One thing to ask this before, do, you, do your APIs or your libraries support mobile use cases at the moment? So our focus is not mobile right now. Our focus is basically on like non-mobile SS companies, but that's something that we also started looking at. Yeah, got it. Yeah, th this is another one of those like scars I have from from a past life. But mobile stuff is really complicated because a lot of it is governed pricing and all that is governed by Apple or Google. Uh, and then even that changes depending on the country and what features you can enable and disable are really complicated too. But I think the, the idea of entitlements is something that, you know, is, is fairly universal there. Um, so yeah, you, you support Node, Ruby, Python, and Go at the moment. How many engineers do you have working on that? So currently we're a team of eight engineers. So yeah, everyone like basically working like from day zero at stake. My most, my, like my vision was to hire the best people and all the best engineers I know in order to, you know, build a solid foundation that we can grow. So like from, even from the day one, I think all the engineers that we are, were always full stack, how they can go through, you know, build one day they build our web application, then the next day they build the SDKs, next day they work on the Edge API. And like this, this like multi, you know, multifunctional team can work much more efficient than having this type of, you know, usually like separation between them. There's a front end engineer, a back end engineer, and then they, it's hard to, you know, coordinate the work together with along them. So basically having a team of full stacks is for a startup at the early stage is a very big advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a lot of uh, talented and very busy folks working hard on your product. Well, what are the things that you're thinking about next? Like what are sort of the, the next features or problems that you're uh, interested in addressing? So I think that our current focus right now is building, as I said, the best like out for world-class entitlements, infrastructure price and packaging infrastructure. And going forward, I think that our focus will be simply improving the dev tool sets around this problem. I think that's the most critical part of it. You need to ask me, what is your edge? Like, what, what, what's your focus? Like, you know, there's a lot, there are probably some companies that are near your, you know, in those areas or outside this area, Never mind. But like, what, how do you stand out? I think that the way Stick stand out is basically focusing on the developer experience and the dev persona and trying to reduce the work that those engineers that are tasked to do to work on the pricing for a company, trying to re take the, the, as much work as we can from them to us and to enable them to move faster. So if it's improving our tools, improving APIs, 
supporting more different problems and different use cases that they face. I think that's, that, that, that's the thing that we truly believe will make a difference and in general make our customers more happy. So yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Are you hiring at the moment? Yeah, actually we do. We are in a position of growing and we are looking for the first thing that we look the most thing that is in demand right now is a DevRel hmm. position, like looking for a DevRel to join us. So basically every developer that loves working with different, with APIs, with SDKs and love to help other developers and getting feedback, feedback from other developers on those type of tools. This is something I think will be a, a great addition to our team. And there's a full description in our careers page and our website and stake.io. So, so anyone who's interested can jump in and read more about it. Cool. Yeah, that's great. I'll make sure I, I put a link in the show notes here too. So, okay. My final question is maybe a bit of a curveball, but so you've explained fairly well the problem of pricing and the approach you're taking to building out these APIs to people work on their pricing and rate on pricing plans and make changes quickly. Um, how is Stig using Stig to work on your own pricing and to, to test and evaluate what you're doing? Yeah, so basically our, our own pricing is built using our own components, our own widget. Like if you go to a pricing page, you'll see those pricing plans and it's, uh, there's a badge of Powered by Stig. That's basically one of our widgets that we, that we are using our own. And I think that like a Stig, the core concept of pricing is basically the ability to change it. So we are modeling our own pricing using Stig, and we also leveraging our capabilities of experimenting with this pricing. So this is something, a topic that we didn't talk before, but it's also very interesting. So when we tried and, you know, started playing with our own pricing, I think that what we felt comfortable most is that because we're using Stig, we don't have to commit to the pricing, you know, we can always make the decision to change it. And it will not cost us any engineering effort in this in this process. So, so like if you ask a company like why you don't change your pricing, it, often they usually t tell you that it's because it's hard. We don't change it because it's hard. It's an overhaul. Like we need to talk with a bunch of different teams and get everyone on board, and then talk with the engineering, run those all these changes, and then that's why they do it like once a year best. Sure. And, but if you if you break that paradigm and start using the flexible infrastructure that allows you to do these changes more often, then you won't have this problem. You can change pricing twice, three times a week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's, that's basically how we also leverage in Stig inside Stig. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's surprising the amount of difference that can make for an early stage business to being able to hone in on exactly the right price strategy and, and price levels that your customers are willing to pay for. A lot of it can be based on feedback and things like that, but experimentation helps too. Yeah, I think experimentation will be like a core feature in the pricing packaging solutions. I think that experimentation allows you to make mistakes and mistake, those mistakes won't be as costly as, as a mistake that you cannot undo. Like every time, like even, you know, when we build software, there's like, usually there's bugs, like it's, it's an inevitable. So yeah. basically, even if you deploy something and it doesn't work, what do you do? You, you roll, you, you have the ability to roll back or at least you, you, you add this ability, like in your CI, CD orchestrations or whatsoever. Without it, you're, you're helpless. You need to, to, you know, to fix it and deploy it. And, and this process takes much more time than the, if you had the ability to just roll back your change. So. Stig in some way is, is, is that rollback. Like this is, we grant, give you the ability to, to regret. 
Yeah, I can see that for sure. Anton, it's been really great chatting with you today. One of the things I want to make sure I ask is where can people find you? Where's the best place to chase you down if people have thoughts or questions for you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn, I think. Like also pretty gay, trying to be active on GitHub as well. I'm not a big Twitter user. Unfortunately, I know that's I'm missing something, but I don't have an Instagram. So yeah, I'm not a good guy. Got it. I, I'm not a good example of being too into social platforms, but I think that LinkedIn and GitHub are the, yeah, well, you, are the way to go. You're a focused man. There's no no need to apologize there. That's uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> I've also left Twitter recently. So, you know, people have heard me endlessly complaining about how I dislike Twitter. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll make sure I link to your LinkedIn and, and GitHub profiles in the show notes as well. Yeah, thanks so much for joining today, Anton. I really appreciated chatting with you. This was Anton from Stig. There will be a link in the show notes to both the, the product page as well as Ob's for Stig and contact information for Anton. Anton, thanks so much for hanging out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. I had a good time. Of course. Yeah, thanks.